0: Welcome to As Spiders Do, the University of Richmond podcast where we share stories about our amazing alumni. I'm your host, Maggie Johnson, from the class of 2018. And to kick off our show, we're bringing you a live interview with two spiders that you might recognize from the silver screen. You'll hear from Wednesday actor, Jamie McShane and Emmy-nominated producer, Mark Privacero about how they made it in Hollywood and about their time together at UR. Thanks for tuning into our first episode and now onto the show. I want to welcome you all to our first live episode recording of our brand new alumni podcast, As Spiders Do. I'm so excited to be here with two amazing alums this evening. So I'd like to introduce Jamie McShane and Mark Provasero, And I'm going to tell you a little bit about them, but we're just so excited to be sharing these stories. So just to give you all a little bit of background, you might know them already, but um, Mark is a producer and manager, and he is known for his Gotham Award winning an Emmy-nominated show, Pen15. He's also produced the universal film, Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk. And then he has a film coming out this June from Sony that's starring Jennifer Lawrence called No Hard Feelings. So I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. And then Jamie McShane is um, currently acting in the Netflix amazing special, Wednesday, um, as Sheriff Galpin. He's also known for Bloodline. He plays Eric O'Bannon, and in Mank, that stars Gary Oldman, and his character is Shelley. So thank you both so much for being here this evening.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: I would love to start by asking both of you: is just simply how did you end up at University of Richmond?
1: Go. Cool. I mean, really? Because you're older than I am, so <laughs> I thought
2: one wouldn't know. <laughs> I was gonna go to either Fordham or Rutgers for tennis, and then a buddy of mine in high school, just literally on a Wednesday, he's like, come on, we're gonna go down to Virginia this weekend. I'm like, all right. Uh, My cousin went to Richmond, he was a year older than I, so we went down, I saw the campus, and I literally just fell in love with the campus and the vibe, and uh, that was it. Um, applied Early decision, and uh, they let me in, which was
1: a shocker. And, And what happened with the tennis Situation. The
2: tennis is very interesting because I tried out, for, there was a walk-on. I had offers from Fordham, Rutgers, and somewhere else, Scranton. I tried out at Richmond. They put me a tied for seventh on the team. I was playing really well for, for me. And they were going to keep 10 to 12 players. And the next day, he cut me. <laughs> and he said, you don't have the tournament experience, blah, blah, blah. I said, I beat this guy, whatever. And uh, I was pissed. And uh, the next three years, they asked me to play, and I said no. You go.
1: Yeah. So, um, and we've never seen these offers that you got from these other schools, by the way. No, <laughs> you haven't. You haven't.
2: And there was no money, really. <laughs> Just like, hey, can you come here and play tennis? Right.
1: I. I'll send them to you. Applied to Richmond uh, at a high school, and I did not get in. I had a lot What's of that? fun. I, I did not get into Richmond. I, I didn't think so. Yeah, either. I had. A, <laughs> I had a lot of fun in high school, and uh, I did not have good grades and Then I went to a school called Oglethorpe, where I played tennis um, and I got better grades and then I transferred into richmond and When I got there as a sophomore, the coach who had heard about me the year before but he couldn't do anything about my grades <laughs> <laughs> I went to play on the walk-on tournament and he said, "Why didn't you tell me you had applied to come transfer here as a sophomore and um, and uh, I don't know what the implication there was, but anyway, I did the walk on, I won the walk-on tournament, and uh, you—I didn't see you in the tournament. It? Yeah, I uh, wasn't in it. And and so I was on the team, and uh, I, I think it, you go ahead and say what you want to say now.
2: Well, Mark and I have played a lot of tennis out here in California. A lot,
1: de- a little bit, a de- some. Have you
2: ever beaten me in singles? Yeah.
1: I mean, in doubles, I know Have that you I've ever been, been in singles? <laughs> ever? <laughs> ever one set? I know it's like in like 21. He made I'd the team even, and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go from there.
2: <laughs> How would you end up at Richmond? Just that?
1: Well, no, I got good grades. Have, oh, and before? then I walked on. to I won okay. the tournament and I, and I made the team. But what attracted you to Richmond? Um, I loved the... Uh, what did I love about it? You know, I was born in New Jersey, and then I lived in Italy, and then I grew up in Atlanta. And so something about, like, the Mason-Dixie line was interesting because I could connect to uh, the Northeast, and also I was from the South, and so it seemed like this interesting, perfect blend of culture and geography. And I loved the campus, and it was obviously a very good school. Um and so those were the things I think that I, that attracted me i wasn 't allowed to go to a to a, a state school because my dad was convinced i 'd flunk out if I went to a party school <laughs> and so uh, this that was just that, that was the, that's, that's how it happened.
0: How did you all reconnect after college?
1: I went to a taping
2: I had just moved out here and I went to a, my first comedy show it was called titus and it was, you know they taped the live show and they air it later mm-hmm. and uh, I was sitting there with a friend, and I turn around and look, and there's Provo in a freaking suit, <laughs> standing there like all like he's big shot or something, <laughs> and he is now. Um, and I was like, Provo, and he's like, you know, what are you doing here? And then I had just moved out, and he was already out here being. Uh, you were an agent at the time, right?
1: I was an assistant. Yeah. An
2: assistant at an agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we just connected and started playing tennis and. Uh, consider him one of my closest friends, actually. Not on the court, but other than that, really. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, and I appreciate that you consider me to be a close friend. Thank you. I know yeah. it's not mutual. <laughs> 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 uh.
0: Mark, does that feel, like, accurate to you, or do you have a <laughs> perspective on how you met, story? Look, how you we, we
1: were in the same fraternity as well, and um, so we were really close in school and such, and, such, and then he graduated a year uh, before me and then before I did, and then we didn't talk much, and then we would get some emails or whatever amongst fraternity brothers that Jamie had started acting. He was in a, um, a rogan commercial, right? Was that oh, your brand? yeah, brother? it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just remembered Jamie's taking the actor route he's going for it and then we saw him on tv in a Rogaine commercial and which was really cool because no one else was doing that i mean okay. i mean no one, <laughs> at 28 years old no one else was doing that and then and um and so that's what I, that's all i knew and then i saw you at that at that yeah. taping yeah
0: well that's fabulous I, I love just the camaraderie that's still here and that you'll still have um Taking y'all back to U R for a minute. um, Is there an experience or a person from campus, either each other or someone else, um, that's really impacted you?
1: Um, My first answer is not the one that I think is, you know, helpful. But doesn't have to be helpful. (laughs) When they were thinking about getting our fraternity in trouble, I remember the the woman who was in charge of student relations her name was Allison and i remember we we had a end of year party during the daytime i think it was a pig roast and Allison walked by <clears throat> the what was then fraternity row and we all serenaded her singing the song Allison and <laughs> and um she didn't kick us off campus, so I just remember thinking, "This is—I understand social politics and the, <laughs> and the power of song." <laughs> oh shit. Um, We
2: we had a, a good friend named Mike Howard, and uh, how like, he was like—he was six four, bright blue-eyed dude, and he was always the life of the party. And um, we had graduated, and we came down for a 4th of July weekend party and I was driving him back up, he lived in Long Island in Manhasset where someone, there you go um, and he's like, I, I, they used to call me Haimo, Spanish for Jamie's Jaime. I got the nickname Haimo, he's like, Haimo what do you, you want to do? And I was so clueless I'm like, you know, when I was a kid I always wanted to be an actor and he was like, oh man, that's what I want to do I want to do that and da 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 and he was always such the life of the party and I thought, wow, he, he'll, he'll make it you know, and uh and I think that's what first gave me the thought since I'd been a little kid, since I'd been about 10, of being like, oh, well, there is that that, isn't there maybe. So I would say how we, at some point, yeah.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you all so much. Um, speaking of kind of how you all have ended up in your roles now, can you tell us a little bit about that journey from college and maybe not being sure if you wanted to be in this industry, but like what, what's that journey been like for each of you?
1: I didn't know that this business existed. I really didn't. I mean, at Richmond, graduating in 1989, there was no film degree or concentration or anything to do with entertainment business. I wasn't, I wasn't even aware there was a business to it. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until I would moved out here For I had two or three sales jobs, and then I'd moved to Manhattan Beach and with a sales job, and I would read about this business you know, people were suing each other and sleeping with each other and making movies. And I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what do they call a salesman in this business? And they go, an agent or a manager, what's that? And so I took a class at UCLA and read some books. And, and then next thing you know, I got a job. I was working, uh, my first job was working for Jerry Bruckheimer on the uh, night shoots for this movie called Con Air in Las Vegas and through um, a friend of a friend of a friend, I was his assistant. His assistant, he had three assistants and his third assistant had left dog, the dog uh, crap in the garage and his, Sherry's wife had stepped in it. And so the penalty to that kid was he couldn't go to Vegas for the night shoots of Conair. And so they needed someone to be there for those eight days. And so they called me up and said, if you can be here in five hours, you can be his assistant. And that's how, that was my first job, and from that I got a job in an agency, and um, and then I became an agent, and then I I was there for ten years. I was at William Morris um, as a TV literary agent, working with writers and directors and producers uh, for you know TV series like The Office and things like that. And then um, with my clients were on the uh, on those shows, and then I quit and started my own management production company. Uh, in 2008, and partnered uh, with a terrific partner, and um, and so now we have a company d- managing and producing.
0: Excellent, thank you.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> I was just thinking—you've been cleaning up dog shit ever since. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I graduated from Richmond totally clueless. Howie and I said that thing about being an actor. I saved up and I backpacked around the world for like four months. And I was in Australia, and this guy in Perth was like, hey, mate, what do you want to do with your life? And I said the same thing I'd said to Howie, and I'd never told anyone this growing up or anything. Um, I said, you know, as a kid, I always wanted to be an actor. And he's like, well, why, why don't you do it? And I was like, oh, yeah. So I grew up in Jersey, not too far from New York, and I just... Well, there's a long story to that, but I I basically started going to New York, and I didn't know what a headshot was. I didn't know what anything was. And then I just started doing play after play after play, and I got my union card early, and I had to change my name because my name was being used in the union. And,
1: um, yeah,
2: here I am a long time later, Mm -hmm. pretty much.
1: And what's been your most um, – What role have you enjoyed playing most in film or TV? And what was the most satisfying experience, if, it's, if that's different?
2: Uh, it's, there's three, actually four jobs that have been amazing for me. Ironically, three of them are Netflix. Bloodline, uh, that was amazing because it took me 25 years to get a series regular. And the series regular is like, you're, you're part of the real fabric of a show. You get paid a boatload more and you're, you're in it, you're in it. You're not just a guest, you're recurring, and it's hard to get. And you know, after 25 years, I got Bloodline, and that was when movie star people were just starting to do TV, like Sissy Spacek and Sam Shepard. And for me, a, a guy who played hockey, it, the equivalent, it was like playing the minors all your life, and then all of a sudden, you're on the all-star team. So it was really cool. Bloodline was amazing, the The character of the people. Wednesday that I did now with Tim Burton um, playing Sheriff Galpin has been amazing. I did this movie, Mank, with Gary Oldman uh, that uh, David Fincher directed that was incredible. Gary Oldman is just such a sweetheart and fun and funny. And then I did that little Busman's Holiday. Mm-hmm. I did a, a film with a buddy of mine, real close friend like Mark, um, who he took all his savings and he was turning 50 and he wanted to make this movie and he wrote, directed, he was the camera guy, he was the sound guy, he was everything. (coughs) It's called Busman's Holiday. I played the lead, Michael Busman, and we literally went around the world in a month. In 2017, we went to uh, Ireland, Norway, Italy, Mumbai, Zanzibar, and Sydney, and then a little bit north of Sydney. And, um, he pretty much had to sell his house after you know that, and um, but he got the movie done. It, it's out on uh, Amazon, I think. It's it's a cute little film. But I remember those, those four. Yeah,
1: I, I remember you telling me about that project. Yeah. So we were playing tennis one day, and I said, "What do you What do you got next?" And he said, "I'm gonna help my buddy out. I, I'm just gonna do him a favor." I said, w- "What does it entail?" He said, "Well, um, I'm, I'm like, we have to go to, uh, we have to like go to go to." Around the world, England, and then we have to, and then what? And then we have to like go to Greece or something. And I'm like,
2: not quite the countries, but you get the, I get the concept. You're,
1: like, you're a great friend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, wow, you're you're going around the world to really cool destinations on your buddy's dime. Yeah, you are a really good friend. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks.
1: Sure. Um, I and I yeah, I would help you. I'm planning on being your that. dime next. <laughs>
0: So it sounds like you both have had some some international travels and experience with their childhood or working like how has that shaped your your roles or how you approach your careers
1: um well I, I lived in Italy when I was a kid i don't but so I don't know like that that always that you know if we were there we were in Milan for two years when I was eight and nine years old I mean that's surely that that left a, a heck of an imprint i i don't I don't know you know i I guess I'm sure there's a better answer but i've I spent most of my time in, in u s television you know now that with with that action movie I did with bob um odin that that did do well um internationally as well certainly there's been an awareness of the international markets now that we're we're having conversations that include uh territories beyond the the United States more and more um and inter- inter- as well as understanding the you know, the sensitivities and and, and, and issues dealing in, in uh, some of those local markets. So there is an awareness, having traveled a lot as a kid and as an adult, surely. Um, but, uh, uh, but I don't know for sure. I, I couldn't say exactly what it is.
2: I think for me it's more visceral. It's more just because of my uh, being an actor. So you, and I think I'm a little, I think I have a, I have a lot of screwed up things, but I'm pretty empathetic, or empathic, I don't know, sympathetic to things. And um, so when you're, well, I've traveled a good amount, especially for an American. I backpacked around the world when I was younger, in Europe, and a bit of Asia, and then the thing with my friend, that was very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But you, you, I I watch people, you know, I I watch people, I watch how they move, I watch how they walk, I watch how they react. pick up I remember a little kid in China dirt poor dirt floors big freaking smile like happy as could be and you pick up on all those little things and you pick on up on character things and you sort of store it and you're like oh yeah this that and and just the cultures and I don't know just the, the different stuff from all over wor- the world. And it, I mean, I'm sure anyone who's traveled here, I don't care if you ca- traveled to Connecticut, you pick up on something, you know? You pick up on something different. And for me, it's you hold that in your vessel and then you're like, oh, well, let me tap into that for this something.
0: That's yeah. wonderful. Um, you, you've kind of brought up your creative process and watching people. Um, I'm curious for both of you, like, what is your creative process and how has that evolved over time?
2: My creative process, I, I had no training as an actor, really. I took one class for a bit, and um, I just always looked at it as athletics. Like, I, I played a lot of sports when I was a kid, and then I wound up playing tennis kind of by default. Um, but I always looked at it as athletics. You you either have an innate talent, and you work on it, or you're not that good, and you just drill yourself till you get good. And it's really for me a lot of instincts and a lot of intuition and going at it you know you're so much rejection in acting it's constant and um, it's probably like that for you in in a lot of things with scripts and you know you know getting people jobs and all that but um, I've just always looked at it as athletics and then as as things have developed over life you get married I've divorced my know one kid has this issue and things happen and people die and then you sort of take it all in and you're like oh shit I got so much more to tap into than than I I had before and most of it sucks like the shit I have to tap into but it's it's I can do it and it, it's at times extremely painful but it helps my career a lot so it's sort of a weird seesaw uh,
1: um. You know most of my friends would be very surprised were very surprised when I became a literary agent because I wasn't necessarily great in English. I was good in math I think I mean I, I did do well in school in certain areas but not in English. And um, uh, our attorney brother, Scott Blundo, I remember I'd, I'd made, done I'd made it in the agency business. I was doing really well. My bosses took me to dinner in New York at Peter Luger's. And Blundo lived in New Jersey, and he joined us. And we were with my bosses. And I go to the bathroom, and I come back, and uh, one of my one of my bosses looks at me, you know, the, the conversation was weird for the rest of the night, and the way home, Blundo's not with us, my boss says to me, so how good of a friend is that guy of yours? And I'm like, he's a really good friend, he's one of my best friends from school. He goes, huh, I go, why? He says, well, when you went to the bathroom, he said, uh, so like, is he really good as a literary agent? <laughs> 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 They're like, why? He says, well, I mean, he didn't, he didn't read, read a lot, or he isn't, <laughs> wasn't so good in English. Like, I mean, I was an English major. He said to the guy. Anyway, so what I, I guess what I'm getting at is, I didn't know that I would be good in this field. I really didn't. I didn't go into it to be in, in, in as a literary agent or manager or producer. I just knew that I was drawn to creative, I knew I could sell really well, and um, I was fascinated with, with the make-believe, frankly, it just it felt like something that was um, selling the make-believe was just something that turned me on, um, and being involved with it, and because uh, I was always very good in sales, I would be top in the nation for the medical sales company I worked for, and I'd get very bored very quickly with whatever it is the, the, the thing was that I had to sell but this, the notion of this, this space just really um, attracted me, and I thought it could sustain me for a long period of time, sustain my interest. And so, as I <clears throat> started, those first few years, I was reading truly 500 scripts a year. I was, everything that anyone would send me, I would read, I had my, my grids, I would figure out what I liked and didn't like, and I, I, I developed a language for what it was about material that, that I was responding to, and so as I developed that muscle, um, I, I was able to then turn on to also my, my instincts and have language for what it was that I liked and didn't like. And I was right more than I was wrong as I was going through that and selecting clients to represent. And then, and then projects. And so the projects that I've been involved with producing since I've started producing in the past 10 years um, have been from places where I saw something that, like Pen15, that no one... You know, some of you may have seen it. A lot of people haven't. It's a specific show. It's on Hulu. Um, You know, that was a show that I just saw, like, I saw the whole thing. As soon as I heard my client saw me, showed me the pitch, and it took many years to get that made because it took a long time for people to also see what it was, Um, and uh, you had to change people's uh, opinions at, at the highest level. Uh, in the business, and that took a that took a lot of work, but but it was something that I was I never had um, I never grew wary of because I was so excited by how happy it made me when I would when I was uh, working on it, and and that's been the case for the film Nobody. That was another one where uh, you know Bob playing a character actor in Breaking Bad in TV. The notion of him being the lead of an action movie with a you know in, the, in theaters for a big studio was something that no one just took seriously. They laughed us out of William Morris for years, but it was very clear to me and to Bob. And um, that's another project where I enjoyed every step of the way, not knowing what the result was going to be. And now we're making a sequel um, uh, that starts shooting in a couple months. But the there's no question that the um, there's been an um, there's been a, a, a clear connection to finding the language to trust my own instincts.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, you both kind of brought up this idea of perseverance and dealing with rejection. Do you all have any like, coping skills um, for dealing with rejection or, or sticking a project out that you're really passionate about?
2: Coping skills, no.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Any advice? No. <laughs> all right, right cool. <laughs> Mark? No, <you? laughs> I
1: think you do. Yeah? I, I mean, I, mean we've, I think we've... we've Spent too much time on tennis, but uh, I think that that's been one of your primary coping mechanisms.
2: Well, don't tell me what it is, cause I don't want to know. Tennis. Oh, tennis has. Yeah. Okay. Oh, now you've ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't. No, I guess. I, yeah, I guess that's my. Yeah.
1: That's my uh, relief. I guess you know. The coping. Can you be more specific with that question?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, or even you know, rejection is something we all face in different places and spaces, work, home, how do you stick with it?
2: I remember I used to drive a a truck, like a Chevy Suburban. I used to deliver and pick up microscopes for my dad's company. That was my day job while I was trying to act in New York and all that. I remember vividly just crying, slamming my head in the steering wheel, saying, like, let me give up, let me give up, this is too much. And uh, I just wouldn't give up. And I just believed, I I believed since I was a little kid that I could do this with no, no reason to, really, until I started doing it and felt like, oh,
1: I can do this. But uh, I don't know,
2: I just didn't give up.
1: So what age were you when you were like actor, performer, like that's when I I started? No, like when you first said, oh, I understand that that's a profession. I want to do that.
2: I was like four or five when I was like my, no, I, I went and saw the, with a couple of my, my sisters, we saw the animated Robin Hood, like, you know, Disney's animated Robin Hood, and I came home, and I was like, that's what I want to do, and I realized it was an animated character, and then, you know, back then, there were reruns of, I don't know, Hogan's Heroes, F Troop, Adam's Family, Monsters and, you know, I Dream a Genie, and I was like, I want to do that, but I don't want to be the lead dude, I want to be the second dude, like, I want to be Agarn in F Troop. I don't know if any of you remember that, but, um, and then, you know, life took its course and I, I kind of had to give up on it.
1: I've never heard this. Now really? that's really fascinating. You at some early age said, I don't want to be the lead. I want to be second on the call sheet.
2: Yeah. Until I got to see like Gene Hackman and then Alan Alden MASH was like, Gene Hackman and Alan Alden MASH were like my biggest influences, but still they were, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Why didn't you say I want to be the lead?
2: Because I didn't like like Tony Nelson as much as Mr. Bob Healy in *I Dream of Genie*. I don't know, he was funner. Uh-huh. I liked Agarn better. Than, I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't really know why. It's pretty. Uh, it's worked out. Yes, it has. <laughs> I mean, I would like to do lead, like *Busman's Holiday* was, you know, one of the few things I got to be the lead in. Well, was that was really just fun. helping someone out, though. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> <That doesn't laughs> a good point. <laughs> so, if you need anything that uh, I can help you out with yeah. while I'm a lead, let me know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, fabulous. Thank you both. Um, I'm curious. I, I feel like I don't know as much about... Um, can you guys go into the specific details about like actor versus producer or manager? Like, what's like, a day-to-day work like, um, and maybe for anyone who might be interested in pursuing a career in either of those fields?
2: I, I was thinking about this today because, from my opinion, okay, we're both on this like marathon journey. Provo's journey is more like every day that marathon is a steeplechase every day he's going jumping through this did, 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 did. me it's more like i'm just going to chill here for a while i'm going to go play tennis i'm going to i got to pick my kids up from school i got to make sure i do this and that and then all of a sudden it's a sprint you got to work you, gotta, you know you have this role you have this for this it's the the line in our business is hurry up and wait especially for actors but then when you're in like you're in and they say all right Jamie, you're going to you know you're ready and... 15 minutes well if you got to be bawling your eyes out in 15 minutes you got to be ready to do that and if you get there and the camera's not right and the wind is not right and the sun is not right and the earth's not revolving right you got to wait and just when they say go you go but so for me it's like I may not work for a while and then all of a sudden it's boom where a year it's constant right it With is year.
1: constant yeah it is constant for um yeah I think that's accurate it's, you know, my, I, my situation probably aligns with most people's, it's all the time. And, um, and so a manager-producer day is, um, I've probably r- had to read a script the night before, that morning, now that I live 45 minutes from the office, there's this app where I can listen to a script, it translates the script uh, immediately, and so I'll listen to a script on the way into the office. Um, there are notes calls, there are uh, development meetings, there's project meetings, the script's been turned in, we're gonna get notes from FX. There's a new writer we're meeting with p- to, to uh, sign on to write a project for us. There's signing a new client. There's, and um, you know, we have a company, I have nine managers, and so, where there's a lot of organization of information, so de- you know, development meetings, talking about a grid of projects that in film and TV that are in various stages from production to just selling it. And um, and then there's going to be a lunch, you know, every day with an executive or someone. So it's uh, it's a, yes, it's a, a lot of different things packed into the day for manager reasons, overseeing the managers, and then producing.
2: And then you have a lot more social commitments. Like, oh, you have a dinner with so-and-so, you have to go to this party, you have to go to this thing. I mean, you have a lot of that, right? Don't you? No, I don't get invited.
1: <laughs> Do you want to go, though? Depends. You don't invite me. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask Jamie to be in one movie that I made, that he rejected me on I it. did not. I did not. <laughs> I was doing Bloodline at the time. I fought
2: very hard to, to get in it, and they just couldn't work out the dates for me to be in it. So if that's the reason you haven't called me for anything else.
1: <laughs> I'm going to take a moment <laughs> and say that your work in Bloodline was absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely Appreciate incredible. It. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Awesome. We had a a, a guest submit a question, and I think it was directed at you, Jamie. But I'm gonna flip it a little bit. And the question was, what do you like about working um, kind of in the dark side of projects, or like darker material? But I know Mark, you you do a lot of comedy, so um, I'm gonna reframe it a little bit and just ask, you know, like what draws you to either like the light or the dark, or like comedy or something like Wednesday? It's a little bit darker.
2: Honestly, I I haven't had a lot of choices until recently. Like, I mean. It's literally what what came up over the years and, I don't know, things that happened to me growing up and different things and, and the way I don't let things go, I guess. I was able to bring, thank you, I was able to bring um, basically damaged guys with a lot of emotion to camera with a believability that was a little... I don't know, more accepted than some other people. And that became what I started making a living on. And then uh, comedy has rarely ever just come my way. I mean, I love Wednesday for many reasons, but it's also a little tongue-in-cheek. So it's not that I choose the dark stuff. It's just that's what's come my way, and I've got kids i got to pay for and this and that, and I just haven't had a choice. And I've been very (laughs) fortunate that... Like, I remember an actor a couple months back, he's like, dude, how do you choose your projects? You, you know, you got Bloodline, you got this and that. I'm like, I didn't choose anything. It's just my I have really good representation, and this this is what came along, and, you know, someone like him in the position to hire me hired me. So, I mean, you know, comedy would be fun to do. I'd love to do lighter stuff. It just doesn't come my way by, you know, didn't come by my way as much. And you?
1: My... F- One of my mentors said, back when TV was very simple, it was either one hour dramas or half hour comedies. He said, I'd rather read a half hour script than a one hour script. And I'd rather laugh than feel shitty. (laughs) So that was like a North Star for me. And, um, uh, but I don't know why. I don't, when I was at William Morris, like, Everyone, there were so many more people who were good at um, figuring out one-hour material, particularly like the old networks, you know, CSI, like that formula. Of all those shows, seemed to have a similar formula, and that bored me to no end. And um, but I had more success discerning um, comedy on the page than my colleagues. I don't know why. I really don't know why. And and. comedic voices, writers and writer-performers, were drawn to, we, we connected more easily. So I would sign people that were desirable um, more than other people. And so it just happened as a result of a process of pursuing both, and that's where I had success.
2: It's so ironic because I'm so much funnier than you are. I know it.
1: <laughs> I know it. I, I, I'm telling you, I think there, you, you should be in comedy more. I'm telling you.
0: you you turn me down (laughs) what's the relationship um, for you guys between like a a manager and a producer and an actor kind of like how much do y'all work together Um, how much do your jobs intersect
2: oh you gotta touch that one because I don't I mean I'm I'm very dependent on my manager uh, my agent too but mostly my manager and producers you know it's if you get to know someone and you know they like you and they bring you back for stuff but I don't I don't you know, I'm not tight with
1: that many. Mm-hmm. You know, it's two different jobs. So as a manager, it's it's a very it's a very uh, important, intimate relationship with, with the client. Like you hear Jamie talk about, is it, is it manager quite a bit? He references even more than his agent. You have a terrific agent, I know, but the manager the cl- uh, client relationship is more like a partnership. A manager is a 10% partner in the business of you know the client, the writer, or the actor. Um, the agent this is generally speaking there are of course exceptions the agent is it's more of a transactional relationship an agent has many more clients than a manager an agent has let's say 80 clients and 20 of them need a job right now so they need to bring an offer to that client give that get make sure that client takes the offer so they can get to the next 19 clients that need a job the manager you know, talks to the client about the job that came in and says, does this make sense? Is this part of the plan we talked about? Is this gonna get us to where we wanna go in five years? And if the answer is no, then the manager has to go back to that agent and say, sorry, I don't care who else you have to worry about, bring us a new offer. And so one is a little bit more transactional, one is a little bit more, um, you know, guidance counselor, shrink, uh, partner, friend uh, as a dynamic. Does that, is that yeah. track? Yeah, And then as a producer, with actors, it's uh, it depends on the actor. <laughs> it depends on the actor. Um, but uh, give me a shot, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's professional. It's really professional, actually. You know, the the, the TV set, the TV uh, um, stage, or the or the film production. It's a it is it's um, it's almost more like a workplace environment. Every, you know, it's just a professional en- environment. The actor has, I think you, Jamie just described so well, the job at hand, the indescribable job at hand, to emote in so authentic a way at the drop of a hat, whenever it is that everything lines up, that you have that the, that the director says, um, action, that we just we just make sure that that person is getting the support uh, that they need, and so that they can actually concentrate on the gig. It's
2: a good way to put it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um, I have just a couple of questions to wrap up with, um, but my first one is kind of, you know, you guys have talked about kind of your journey post-graduation to where you are now, but looking back to when you were a student at UR, like, do you think your student self would be surprised about where you are?
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I'd given up on, you know, like at the age of, I don't know, 11 stuff had happened and i was just like all right everyone wants to be either a you know actor pro athlete or rock star or something it just it doesn't happen and you you know you do something else and then i took like like your test you took that said you wanted to be a an actor um you know you took one of those in high school and it was like oh you're good in advertising so i was like all right i guess i'll do advertising then i yeah so here i am
0: Excellent, thank you. Um, what would you all consider to be your greatest achievement, either in your career or just in life, personal? Just like, what's the one thing that sticks out to you?
2: I mean, as lousy as I think I am at it, I'm, being a dad is, is pretty amazing. Um, I would say that would be the first. Um, and then just, you know, I, I was reading today, I think it's 2% of actors make a living, like, worldwide. Wow. And, and I've, you know, knock on wood, been in that category for, uh, for a bit now and i um, hoping to stay there, but that's, you know, to, to be like a, a four or five year old kid and have this dream and then totally give up on the dream because of why, what life hits you with, and then, you know, some dude in Australia says, hey mate, and you pursue it and it takes, you know, 12 years of pursuing and getting turned down before you start making enough to get by, and it took me like 12 years to get an agent, and then, you know, to be here and like, wow, I'm, you know, I just worked for Tim Burton and this show's a hit and I did Bloodline and whatever,
1: yeah. Um, I, I feel, I mean, I feel that way about what you've done. It's unbelievable. Thanks. I mean, so few people get to do this as an actual profession and be able to raise a family doing it. It's really incredible.
2: Thank Thanks,
1: man. Uh, the thing, what was it, what am I most proud of?
0: Me. Yeah, greatest achievement. Jamie. <laughs>
1: Jamie. Beating Jamie in doubles. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, having an incredible marriage uh, to my wife, who's sitting over there, sitting over there, and uh, being uh, the best father I can be easily. Those are the things that I'm most proud of. Um, uh, you know, professionally going through the journey that that it has that I've shared a little bit about to find the thing that I love doing and then being able to have a, um, a career doing it um, has, is, has been rewarding.
0: Excellent, well thank you both so much. My, my final question for you, and this is something I ask all of my guests, um, but what does it mean to be a Richmond Spider?
2: You gotta take that first.
1: I, I love that question, I've never thought about that. You know, Richmond... Look, Richmond is a different place than when we went there. Let's face it, okay? I never would have gotten in a year later. No, I, th- I think we all... I think a lot of us with gray hair uh, 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 know this to be the case. Um, I'm sorry, ask the question one more time. Yeah. What, what, what does it
2: mean <laughs> to be a Richmond spider to you, correct? <clears throat> yes, you got it. That's what she You said. know,
1: when we were at... It's, it's a scrappy school. It's like a school that you know had to fight its way in to be respected amongst like the uh it's not an ivy league school but it's a really good school in this part of the country that's not like quite the south or quite the north um you know we have such a beautiful uh uh campus and the the schools and the and the departments are just so impressive i was a psych major it's an excellent department i remember that um so it There's sort of like scrappy, for some reason. Tenacity is the first thing that came to my
2: head. But I thought you'd come up with something better, but you didn't. But furthermore,
1: furthermore, when we were there, Richmond made it to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Dick Tarrant was the coach, and Kenny Atkinson was the starting point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we scraped and clawed away into the Sweet 16, and we were the Cinderella story. And so that sort of has left an indelible mark on us. Um, and so maybe that's why we associate Richmond with that.
2: Yeah, I like that Richmond was such a small, beautiful school, and uh, I don't know, you, you knew people, you didn't feel lost. I don't know. I, I guess tenacity would be the best word to sum it up for me.
0: Beautiful. Oh. oh God! Oh no! Not easy yeah. being a Oh on gosh! The spot. No, no about. one's ever turned it back on me before. <laughs> um. And I always love, like, everyone always has that same reaction. Like, I have to, like, take a moment. And I'm like, yes, like, I'm waiting for it. And thank you for <laughs> giving me that same experience. Um, I would agree. Like, I think, you know, Richmond's a special place. I think when I graduated, I graduated in 2018, um, all of my peers in my first job, like, nobody had a college experience like I did. Um, and it's that community and it's that space where you can try anything and do anything. And I think it's scrappy and tenacious is, like, such a good phrase for what it means to be a Richmond spider. And I think... I think we're dreamers, I think we're doers, I think we're, we're people who tackle things and we pursue the potentially impossible and if we fail, that's great and we learn, but so often we soar. Um, wow. I think it's a really cool place.
1: I like it. That was good. Oh,
2: thank
0: you, thank you. <laughs>
2: We'll invite you back.
0: Oh, excellent. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you both so much for your, your time. Thank you to our amazing audience for being here and piloting this with us. Thanks, um, everyone, for yeah, coming. I, you all. It's
2: really, uh, it, it's such an honor to get asked to go to anything like this, and everyone thinks, oh, you go to these parties all the time, you go to this and that, and I don't. I mean, I, I don't get invited to that much, but uh, shut up. <laughs> um, so it's really, no, it's an honor, and I appreciate it, and thanks for showing up. Thank you all.
0: Thanks for listening to As Spiders Do with me, Maggie Johnson. We hope you enjoyed hearing from today's guests, Jamie and Mark. Thank you to Olivia Huber, class of 2025, for editing this episode. Our episode music is by FAS Sounds from Pixabay. Subscribe to As Spiders Do and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And we're always looking for new stories to share. So please let us know who else we should feature by emailing us at alumni at richmond.edu. That's all for this episode. Talk to you soon, and remember, there are spiders everywhere, and that's a really good thing.